Oh, yes, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There has been a sweet presence of the Holy Ghost here all morning. All morning, I've been feeling just the power of God, the anointing of God has been moving throughout this house all morning, and it is evident this morning. God is so good. It is so good to be in church today. Uh, I'm excited for church. How about you guys? I'm excited for what God's going to do today. God is going to move in a supernatural way. I can just feel the power of the Holy Ghost right now. God is so good. Hatalaboshandata. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One of my fears as being a minister, you may be seated, as being a minister is, is to miss the move of God or to hinder the move of God. And I never want to stand in the way of the flow of God's spirit or the anointing. I don't want to be a hindrance to that. Um, sometimes as humans, especially me, we get a little rushed and we like to hurry things on. And I think sometimes when we just kind of stay there and we're patient on the spirit of God, we allow him to move and to move on our hearts and to move on our spirit. But God is so good. Uh, I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Matthew 26, verse 41. And you can just remain seated. It says, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. Somebody say temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Somebody say weak. Amen. Um, this morning, I want to teach on the challenge of prayer. The challenge of prayer. And we used to have prayer every Monday night, and, and we would teach a little bit on prayer, and we haven't done that for the last four months. And and uh, as I was studying and teaching or uh, studying and getting scriptures ready, I really felt like God wanted me to talk on prayer. And I think he confirmed it this morning during pre-service prayer. And uh, there is power in prayer. I tell you what, and there is power in corporate prayer, in pre-service prayer. There is Something that happens in the atmosphere, something very special that happens when um, the body of believers, apostolic believers, and not even, I mean, just people that believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, the people that believe in the revelation of the oneness and, and have applied the death and burial to their lives. There's power in a prayer uh, of a saint of God that's applied that stuff to their life and they pray. There really is power in that. Uh, there, there really is. And you can touch the throne of God. And, and when we come together, and we ought to be about our Father's business, church. We ought to be about our Father's business. And I tell you what, one of the best ways we can do that is through prayer and through praise and worship. And when we come to the house of God and when we have pre-service prayer and when we all pray together and we all participate together, it just changes the atmosphere. And I think today and during pre-service prayer was a good example of that. Would you agree with that? God, there was a, such a move of God. And, and when we 
get on board and when we participate in pre-service prayer, God has to show up. I mean, God's already here, so what we're really trying to do and the point of us praying is for us to get in tune with the Spirit of God. It's not for God to be here because God's always here, but it's for us to crucify ourselves and to touch the throne of God and to get in tune with, the, with God and to get in tune with the flow of the Holy Ghost, to tap into that anointing oil. That's what pre-service prayer does. And when we do that, it changes the atmosphere of, of worship and it changes the atmosphere of, of the preaching of God. It makes the preacher's life a lot easier. Because you're more apt to say amen and you're more apt to see things that maybe you wouldn't have seen if we weren't tuned into the spirit of God. But there is so much power in pre-service prayer. And I tell you what, it, it, it is a challenge at times and it's hard at times, but it is definitely effective when we do that. It just makes the service go so much smoother when you start to tap into that and it starts moving it. And, and you know, as a preacher's job, as a, a, a pastor's job, and musicians up here, we try to usher the presence of God in. And as saints, our job, the way we can do that is through prayer, pre-service prayer. And I tell you what, it doesn't just end there, it doesn't just start there, but uh, pre-service prayer is a reflection of your own prayer closet at home. And, and, and if I come to prayer, and, and don't get me wrong, I know there's times of distraction, there's times of the kids get sick, and there's times that you are tired and stuff like that, but when you overcome that, but when you come to the house of God, it really is a reflection of how your life is outside of the house of God, most times. You know, there are times where we can kind of hide it and, and put on a, a, a facade and, and put on that apostolic jacket you know, we can put on that professionalism as being a Christian. Um, but if we can't pray in the house of God and you can't tap into the spirit in the house of God with other believers, that's a scary place to be. But pre-service prayer, I think, sometimes is a reflection of who we are in our prayer closet. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is prayer. And, and I am not trying to condemn anybody. I am not trying to make anybody feel bad by anything I say today. I am not trying to be critical. I, I pray that I am in the Holy Ghost when I start teaching this and, or preaching it, however it ends up going. But for the last four months, the last little over four months, we've been having pre or coming to church every day. Uh, for five days, Monday through Friday, for, per, for service. And it has changed people's lives dramatically. I've seen people come and be faithful to prayer. And uh, I happen to be one of the first people here. And I'm just a morning person. I'm not boasting. It's just I'm here. And I've seen the effects of prayer. I've, I've seen uh, Sister Sue Ellen be here faithfully and sister Jana be here faithfully and, and sister Chris be here faithfully and brother Marcelo come here faithfully and, and, and people come here faithfully and you see a change in them. You see this, this, this change and this growing experience happen and you see the worldlies come faithfully and, and, and other people come faithfully and you start seeing them grow and, and things like that which is good. And it's hard at times, but it's very necessary. And one thing that I've realized with, with prayer is, um, and what, is it's always a challenge at times. It, there's always, you never just kind of get it. At least I haven't. And I'm going on 15 years living for God. I just haven't like, okay, I got this. Because the times I thought I had this, 
then I would miss a day or two and it's like I got to fight to get back into that, that vein of prayer, right? So consistency, which we'll talk about a little bit more, is absolutely key when it comes to praying. But here's a question to ask yourself is why do we pray? Why do I pray? And that's a good question to ask yourself. Why am I praying? Am I praying to see results? Am I praying just so I can get blessings and receive things? Am I praying so I can get a relationship with God? Am I praying so I can get uh, in tune with God? You know, um, there's, a, there's a story in the Old Testament when uh, I believe it was Solomon, he, God comes up to him and asks him, what, what do you want? Uh, what do you want? And he, and he says, you know, I, want, I need guidance. I need wisdom to lead the people of God. That's what I need. I got a squeak up here, excuse me. And God says, okay, I'm going to give that to you. And because you didn't ask to have authority over your enemies, and because you didn't ask for riches, I'm going to give you that on top of that. And I think about prayer and, and you know, what is my purpose in prayer? Why do I pray? And, and is it to get close to God? And I think that should be the reason why, is so we can build that relationship up. But it's not always easy to do that. And here's the thing is when you start getting into consistent prayer, this is one thing that I've had to learn, and, and it's very hard, is in my opinion, I could be wrong, there's different levels of prayer that you go into you start, and, it, and it's a struggle just to pray every day, you know, but then you get the consistency of doing that, and then you, you start working on the time, the length of prayer, and then you get the length of prayer, and then you start getting into different levels, different chapters of prayer, and there becomes a chapter in prayer that I've experienced and I'm experiencing lately is that there's growing pains in that. That God starts to try to take uh, us deeper into it. Right? And he starts to reveal things to us we've never seen before because we're stepping into unknown territory we've never been into. And it's hard sometimes. And, and we're, we start experiencing um, things that we've never experienced before. I tell you this do you guys hear that or is it just me? Okay. Um, I tell you this, is that when you start doing that, when you start praying, expect this, all hell is going to break loose <laughs> because the enemy does not want you to have a prayer life. And I will say this, your flesh, it's contrary to your flesh to pray. And I would have to say in my experience in life that my flesh has, big, has been my biggest enemy when it comes to prayer. It, it, it ain't that, it's not Satan. I would love to blame it on him, but really, it's me. It's me. And the Proverbs talk about, uh, is there a lion in the street? And it talks about a man being a sluggard and, and how he's like the hinges of a door and he goes back and forth on the bed and, he, you know, hitting his alarm or whatever it might be, not wanting to get out of bed to go pray. And, and I think that prayer, um, it should be in the morning. Because it's, I think I, it's better for me. I pray before I get to go into the world and experience all those things hitting me and bombarding me. I come and I wake, you know, I go early in the morning and I take it on and, and I do that. But there's that level of prayer where you start to enter into a place you've never been and things start to fall apart, it seems like, in your life. Like you start to have financial problems and marriage problems and, and you start to not even feel the presence of God at times. I, brother, I remember Brother Walter saying, I don't know if it was a year how long it was, or maybe it was this months, but he said he went and he prayed and he didn't feel the, the presence of God. 
He went and prayed and prayed, and he, he did not feel the presence of God, but he was consistent in that. And one thing that we must realize when it comes to prayer is that you will not always feel something. You will not always feel the goosebumps. You will not always feel that, that energy, okay? There's times where it's hard to pray, and you literally have to, like, rip your flesh off and be like, okay, I'm doing this. I got to do this. And sometimes you're so distracted and sometimes all you can do, you're thinking about other things and, and you have to be so consistent and so disciplined with it. And, and because it's not about us feeling God all the time, but it's about that commitment in that relationship with God, okay, and growing in God. And, and a lot of times we don't see the growth like other people see. Like the people that have been faithful coming to prayer, they probably don't see the things that we see on them. We see them praying and, and we see the differences in them and, and they're like, man, you really changed. You're really growing spirit. You're not as crabby anymore. <laughs> you smile a lot more. You know, little things. And I think it's good to tell people that and encourage people in the Lord that, hey, you're doing good and, and I see a change in you. That helps. You're, you're, you're lifting up your brother. Um, but prayer, is, it's not easy. And we'll talk about that and we'll give scripture about that also. Um, but we all have that hiccup in life, whether it be prayer or we all have that one kind of stumbling block in life that gets us, right? And you know what I'm talking about. Everyone has that one thing. Maybe it's anger, maybe it's just you kind of sloop, go into the state of depression or, or whatever it might be. We kind of all have that because we're all human, right? And we need to rely on God. Paul had it. He had a thorn in the flesh, the Bible says. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 says, And least I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. So Paul says, I, you know, I went to God three times about this thorn in the flesh that it would just remove. But maybe, just maybe, you might have that thorn in your flesh for a reason that we don't see, but God sees. Um, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. My, whose strength? God's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. And then he says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory. Paul has this revelation. He said, well, then, therefore, I rather glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures, pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And that thorn in the flesh sometimes, not all the time, might be just so when we are weak, we know God's strong. To show us and to humble us and for us to keep hold on to God and to trust him and rely on him. But things that we struggle with in life, prayer is going to help us to triumph over those things in life because we all have them. And prayer is what helps us to get over those things or maintain those things in God. And I know it sounds cliche, prayer, 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 but there's absolutely power in a child of God that prays 
and know that your prayers are not just floating in the air and some of them get to God and some of them, no, some of them don't go to God. Every single pray we, prayer we pray gets up to heaven and God hears it. And sometimes we get discouraged because we might not see things happen right away. We pray for things, and, and it doesn't seem like God's moving. We get discouraged, and we might just kind of move on from that subject. But those are memorial prayers. Those are prayers that we consistently keep praying on. Maybe it's someone in your family, a lost loved one that you keep praying for, and you keep praying for, and you keep praying for. But you've got to be consistent in that. So I have a list of things that I just thought of in my life that has helped me, and hopefully I pray that it helps you also. But things that will strengthen our prayer life. Things that are strengthening our prayer life. And, and if you're not going to prayer every morning, I encourage you to go to prayer. I know I'm not the pastor, and uh, I, would, I would venture to say that the pastor would agree and Bishop would agree that if you have not made that commitment to wake up in the morning and go to prayer, I challenge you to do it because your life will absolutely change. And I will tell you this, I will be very transparent with you right now, is when pastor said we're going to start pre-service prayer, I had a bad attitude. And I'm like, I can pray at home. Matter of fact, I can pray better at home than I can pray at church because I got my own office. And then we just, we went and remodeled my whole entire basement. So I had no office. So I really had nowhere to pray. And when I came, and matter of fact, when I came to church and I did pray, because I was praying, I would I'd go into the youth room and say, well, I'm going to go into my little prayer closet and I'm going to pray and, and, and I'm not going to bug anybody. I'm not going to be distracted. And I felt like God was saying, you know, I want you to go upstairs and pray. Go upstairs and pray. So I went upstairs after two or three weeks, and, and my attitude was gone by then. You know, I, I got used to waking up and stuff. But for the last four months, it's really transformed my life. I mean, it's absolutely trans. And I've had bad attitudes. I've had good attitudes during this kind of mood swings up and down. And I've been tired. I've been groggy. I've been late. And, and <laughs> you know, but that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is, but it's been worth it. It's been worth it. And, and, and now where I see people, where they're entering into this different chapter and different level of prayer where, where it's like, okay, how I prayed before, I'm grow, I want to grow off of that. I'm, I'm getting deeper into the presence, presence of God. I'm getting, I'm getting more meat and more potatoes, if that makes sense. I'm going deeper with God. And that's, that's awesome. I'm seeing things in my life I've never seen before. You know, things that I want to change that I've never seen. And I'm getting a different attitude and I'm getting a different perspective in, in my life on situations that I've never seen before. And then I'm starting to tap into the spirit a little bit easier and I'm starting to want to pray for people and things like that. That's what God does. That's, that's the power of prayer. So the first thing that will help and strengthen our prayer life is determination. You've got to be determined to have a prayer life. And it is worth it. How much do you want a prayer life? What's it going to cost? It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you time. Brother Walters used to say that 10, 20 minutes that you used to sleep in or you, that you have slept in and you didn't pray, is that really going to matter at the end of your life that you slept those 20 minutes or would you have rather been praying during those 20 minutes? And uh, I think we know the answer for that. But determination, and I think about the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1. I think of that story and uh, how this man, the Bible says, and he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah and the name of the other was 
Paniah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher these names, and then Pananiah I thought had a child, had children, but Hannah had no children. Verse three, and this man went up out of the, his, his city, the husband did, early to worship and sacrifice in the Lord of the hosts of Shiloh or Shiloh, and the two sons of Eli, Hophnia and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord were there, and when the time was, in time was that. Elkaniah offered he gave to Paniah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. And unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. So you have this story where, this is kind of a, you know, this is um, not the first story like this in the Bible, right? And so you have Hannah, and she's barren. You know, she can't get pregnant, and, there's, and there is um, the other wife that can get pregnant, and God has got, blessed her with children, and, and Hannah is um, getting upset at this situation. And it says, but Hannah, he gave a worthy portion, the Bible says, and then it says in verse 6, it says, and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord shut up her womb. Now, you're always going to have somebody there, it seems like, provoking you, an adversary there. When you're going through something. It seems like you're always going to have that there. And as he did so, verse 7, and, he's, and as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. So she was in a pretty bad state where she was not only crying, but she was not even eating. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this type of depression or, or suffering where you're not even hungry. You guys ever experienced that? That you're not, you don't even want to eat. You, it's hard to sleep, and and it's it just, you have that burden, and you have this something that's on your heart. And this has been a while that's been going on for a while, uh, in Hannah's life. And it says in verse nine, or actually in verse eight, then said Elkanah, her husband, unto her, Hannah, Why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why is thy heart grieved? Am I am not I better to thee than ten sons? So it's putting a toll on the marriage, and the husband's like, am I not better than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in, Sh in Shiloh, or Shiloh, and after they had drunk, now Eli the priest sat upon the seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul, the Bible says, and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. She's about at her wit's end. She's not eating She's crying, she's bitter, and she's weeping. She's about to break, and well, she's broken. She's broken. And not only that, she's got an adversary there provoking her. <laughs> not helping, but provoking. And it is weighing a toll on her, and it's, and it's flowing into her marriage. Okay? And she vowed a vow, the Bible said, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thy handmaid, but wilt give unto thy handmaid a man-child. Now watch what happens. Watch this. Then will I give unto him, unto the Lord, all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. So Hannah had this desire of having a child, this dream of having a child. The heritage of, you know, keep going because of that son or that child. And it weighed a toll on her. She wasn't eating. Um, I can assume she was losing sleep. The marriage was suffering. 
She was broken. It was consuming her to a point of emotional bondage. And she was in bondage emotionally where it just would consume her. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that in your life before where you've had a situation and it just consumes you. Like not just for a day or two, but for weeks, even months, it just consumes you. And it starts to take control over your thoughts and, and it takes, and you're, you start losing it. And this is where Hannah was. And she comes to this place with God where she starts weeping. But something very supernatural happen, happens through, through the process of prayer and communion with God is that she turned her desire into wanting a ki kid she turned it around and said, okay, God, if you hear the handmaid, if you hear my petition and give me this child, I promise and make a vow right now that I'll give you that child right back to you. And not a razor would be on his head. It was a vow that she was vowing. And her eyes and her perception, I believe, changed in that time where it was not all about her but it changed to a kingdom mindset. It said, okay, it's about you now, God. And God has this tendency to bring us to a place of Christian insanity where, where you're, you're just in this state of you're a Christian insanity. You're about to go crazy and you don't know what's going on, but you're so desperate for an answer for God. You're so desperate for God to move in your life that... You'll just do anything crazy enough that God wants you to do. And I really feel that that's where some of us are here today, is that God has been patiently moving and, 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 and breaking and, and, and turning the pressure up in our life and, and the squeeze and the pressure in our life to shape us and to turn our will into his will. And he's saying, I've heard every single prayer you've prayed. And I know you want this because my ways, you must remember, are much greater than your ways. But I see something you do not see. I see the bigger picture. And that's why that you haven't seen that prayer maybe answered just right now. But God puts us in this, 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 this position in life where we come to a place of just Christian insanity, where we're just broken, and we're like, God, take it. I mean, how crazy was it to, for her to say, God, you can have my kid if you, if you give me my kid. It's like, oh man, I feel the Holy Ghost. It's like praying for God to financially bless you and say, okay, God, if you financially bless me, I'm gonna give more to the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to start giving you more before you even start blessing me. That's what I'm talking about. I'm just going to step out in faith and I don't have the faith, I don't, or I don't have the, excuse me, I don't have the, the finances and I don't have the means to do it, but I'm going to do it anyways because I'm desperate for a blessing of God. I'm desperate for a move of God. And I'm just going to start walking in faith and I'm going to start paying more on my tithes and offering. Like we've heard it preached. I'm going to pay what I want to make on my tithes and offering. I want to make $100,000 a year. I'm going to start paying tithes and offering on the $100,000. I want to be blessed. You know what? I'm going to start giving the missions every single month. 
Even when it doesn't make sense, even when we don't have money for rent, even when we don't have money for food, I'm going to stay faithful and I'm going to continue to keep giving to the kingdom of God. And if you, we do that and we get just crazy thoughts like that for God, that's when I believe you'll start seeing those prayers being answered. If you want radical blessings and radical experience, we got to do radical things. You, you want to see, you want to be blessed radically? Well, you better start giving radically. Because you can't outgive God. And I don't know why I'm talking about finances right now. It's not even my notes. But you can't outgive God. And I'm a testament of that. That you can just keep giving and giving and giving. And it is just, a, God just keeps blessing you and blessing you. And, oh, Brother Fogarty, when he was preaching, he talked about consistently giving. And they talked about emotionally giving. And what a good teaching. If you didn't hear that teaching, I would encourage you to go listen to that message that he had on, on finances and giving to the kingdom of God. But he, that emotional giving, I think we've all been there, that we're in a service and, and uh, you know, we're in a move the mission. Is it move the mission now? What is it? It's not sheaves for Christ. It's move the mission. Since I'm the youth leader, I'll use that. We're in a move of a mission and there's a preacher up there and he preaches his heart out and, and he taps into your emotions and he's, he's preaching on giving to the kingdom of God. And you know, I'm going to give, I'm going to give $5,000 to the, to move the mission. But that's it. That's all I'm going to give that year. And the next year, maybe I'll give some more money and God will bless you in that moment. But there's something about consistently giving compared to emotionally giving. And I will go even go this far, and I'll turn them into this prayer, that there is times where you make commitment, just like Hannah made a commitment. She's in desperation, and she makes this commitment to God. And she was feeling emotion, trust me. But she was faithful with that commitment. And here's one of my fears in life, and I've done this, I've done this, is that I've been in an awesome, awesome church service, right? And God's dealt with me. And he said, you need to give that up. And I've been working on you for months and you need to give that up. And I see it. And I'm like, you know what, God, I'm giving it up. Or God says, I want you to pray every single day. And I see it. I'm like, God, tomorrow I'm praying. Or maybe you want to go on a diet. I think we've all done that. Tomorrow I'm going on a diet. And your best friend sees you two weeks later and you're drinking a pop. They're like, I thought you went on a diet. Well, it's starting tomorrow. My diet's starting tomorrow. <laughs> And then tomorrow never comes, you know, it's just, well, it's, it's just the next day and next day. But emotion, but spiritually, we can do that. Hannah does it, but she's faithful with that commitment. We can emotionally be moved through emotion and make a commitment to God and it not stick because it was just emotion. Because there was no uh, consistency behind it. If I'm, I hope that makes sense. That you're in a service and you're like, okay, yeah. And we'll just use prayer because I think we've all been there. I know we have. God's literally told all of us here, hey, I want more of your time. And I want you to be more faithful in praying. And we're like, yes, absolutely, I'm going to do it. And we two or three days goes on and, and we miss prayer again. And then pretty soon we don't pray for two weeks. But I don't want to do that emotional commitment. I want to be consistent in that commitment with God. And that takes determination. That takes work. Mm. And it's hard. That takes me crucifying this old flesh every single day. And Jesus had told us that. So I don't want to emotionally make, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I would say irrational decisions, but just because I'm feeling, oh, I'm feeling exuberant, I'm feeling good, yeah, I'm doing it. And then pretty soon, where did it go? So what happens when you do that 
it introduces condemnation, frustration, doubt, fear. You don't trust anymore because God keeps dealing with you and you're just like, oh, yeah, I've been here before and I know I've made this commitment before and it's never worked. Right? There's a story, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago, it must have been six. We had, uh, I'm going to pick on somebody. We went to NAYC and Sister Kim went with us and there was other young people that went with us. And Sister Kim did not want to go to NAYC. And I tell you what, the enemy fought her all the way there because all the way there in the van, she was motion sickness. She was so sick that we had to put her in the front seat. She was so sick, we had to strap her on top of the roof of the van so that she'd get fresh air. I mean, not, we really didn't do that, but she was just sick. She got so sick, it was, she was horrible. And then we, it was a, oh, a day drive, and I felt so bad for her. And she didn't want to be there. And we kind of knew she didn't want to be there. But during the NAYC trip and during the preaching and the phenomenal services, there's something that had happened during this experience and during this um, NAYC trip. And God had started to move on Sister Kim and started to deal with her heart. And Sister Kim will tell you the story if you ask her, but there was a certain area where God moved on Sister Kim. And Sister Kim made a commitment to God. And you can ask her what that commitment is, but I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, tell the whole story. I don't know. But during the service, she makes a commitment to God and she goes back home and she fulfills that commitment. And it was pretty crazy, wasn't it, sis? What you did, what you told me this morning, only a crazy person in the middle of the night would be doing what you would be do were doing, right? Yeah. <laughs> but she made a commitment at NAYC. And you know what? That, since then, until now, she has grown so spiritually and matured spiritually. And I've seen it happen. Yeah, she's had her ups and downs. So we all do. But I've seen a difference and a change in her because of that commitment. And it, it was very emotional. The service was very emotional. Loud music. And, and, and I th we've all been there. But she was consistent with that. And, but because of that, I really believe that was a catalyst for the rest of her family to stay in church. And God will always bless that. God will always bless that. But Hannah wanted the child so much that she would do anything to see that happen. And I believe that God has doing that to us in our lives is how bad do you want a prayer life? How bad do you want to get close to God? How bad oh, do you want your marriage to work? How bad do you want to get blessed financially? Are you tired of doing the same thing over and over? Are you tired? I, you, some people here might feel just condemned. You might feel wore out. You might feel like I've done this a hundred times and I don't want to do this again. I've made these emotional promises before. But you can do it. You can do it. But it's going to take work. And I hear, so here's the whole point of that is the only way you're going to be able to do it is through prayer. Okay? Because prayer is going to strengthen you. Prayer is going to give you the strength to get through the day. Prayer is going to give you the spiritual nutrients you need to see that commitment fulfilled. Because if you don't pray in, then what are you relying on? 
you're either going to rely on your flesh because you're feeding the flesh because if you're not praying, you're going to be fle- feeding the flesh or you're going to use prayer, the spirit of God, to feed into that what you want to see happen in your life, okay? And, and there's all, everybody here, you guys all have a purpose and there's an anointing on everyone, even these young men sitting right in here, there's a special anointing on them, there's purpose in your life, and there's a calling in your life, and I really feel like, in the Holy Ghost, that God has been dealing with a lot of people here, and the ball is in your court, but you're at a point where you're like, I've done it before, and you almost are feeling condemned, but that's not of God, okay, that's not of God, confusion that's not of God. And if you have those thoughts of, of doubt and fear and I've tried this before, it's not going to work, just give those thoughts to God and say, God, take these thoughts, remove these thoughts. Because what's happening is you're in emotional bondage right now. You're where Hannah was. There's an adversary provoking you and provoking you. And a lot of times that adversary is us. We're our worst enemy. We're our worst enemy. We're conjuring up these thoughts that are coming from where? We're conjuring up these, these illustrations in our mind that God can't use me. There's no way I can go to prayer every morning. You can't do, I can't do that. I can't be faithful. No way God can use me. Yeah, you can. That's a lie from the enemy. That's a lie from your flesh. You can. You can do it. Absolutely do it. Um, Luke 9.62 says, And Jesus said unto them, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And I'm going to kind of just use this, not in a normal way we use this, but when we make commitments to God, we should do everything we can to keep that commitment. Like, don't go back to being unfaithful. Don't go back to those things, but we must be careful not to get distracted because when we start looking back and we start not keeping the main thing the main thing, we get distracted and we forget about our commitment. Looking back causes distractions. You know, it's amazing that when we do make those commitments in life that you, you start getting, uh, and I can't explain this all the time, but you know, you make a commitment to want to do right and, and pray and, and stuff like that, but then you get a promotion at work you know, and you got to go there early in order. You got to do 60 hours instead of 40 hours a week. And so you got to scale back on, on, on church things. But you're like, well, praise God, I'm getting, I'm getting blessed. I'm getting more money. But what's more important? The church things and, and having a close relationship with God or something sad as this temporary you know, and it seems like that tends to happen when we make these commitments is that it seems like everything goes against these commitments to try to stop us and we get distracted and we get our eyes off of the prize. You know, but we got to remember we must be about our father's business. That should be our mindset every single day. I got to be about my father's business. And the only way I'm going to be about my father's business is if I'm connected to the source every single day. And the only way I can be connected to the source is through a fervent prayer life. A fervent prayer life. A faithful and consistent prayer life. And that's point number two. I'm only on point number two and it's already 1041. And I didn't even think I had enough notes this morning. But so the second thing that helps us strengthen our prayer life 
is faithfulness and consistently. Okay, a healthy prayer life will make a world of difference in our life. Okay, it helps us. But the second thing is faithfulness and consistently. Consistency, excuse me. Um, and my question is, it's a, ask yourself, am, am I faithful to prayer? Listen, there is a route that this church is going, okay? There is a destination that God has for this church. And in order for this to happen, we are all going to have to get on board. And it starts in prayer. Okay? And if we want to see the signs and the wonders and the revival and the harvest that, the, that God has promised this specific church, it's going to take a fervent, consistent, faithful prayer life, discipline, determination. It's going to take spiritual endurance from us to see that happen. It won't, it, it, it's going to be hard for it to happen if only a few people are doing that. Like we all need to get on board with this prayer. And it, and, and it not only strengthens us, but it strengthens the body of Christ also. And I tell you what, we are in the best position and the best opportunity to do that. Is right now what we have going on at our church. And there's things that have been changing because of that. Because of our morning prayer. But I'm just challenging, let's stand. I'm just challenging this morning, everybody, that you would just make that commitment. Every day, I am going to pray. Every day, five minutes, I'm going to pray. And the next week, I'm going to go to 10 minutes. And the week after that, I'm going to 20 minutes. But every single day. And if you happen to miss a day, don't, you know, it's crazy to me. You know, in the world, and, and you see this, Brother Mike, you'll know what I'm saying about this, and other people, Brother Wendell, and you'll understand what I'm saying when I say this. As, as being an ex-drug addict, you know, there are times where you would try to get clean, and you would get clean, right? And then you would go, and you end up using, and you fall off what they call the bandwagon, or you go drink, or whatever it might be, and then you're like, well, I already fell off the bandwagon, I'm going to go on a bender now. And you're going to do it for two or three weeks. And you ruin all the progress you did for four or five months, we don't want to do that with prayer. We get three or four weeks, four months into prayer, and then we miss one day, maybe two days, and then we're just like, ah, well, what's the point? But that consistency in prayer, and I'm telling you, when we, and I'm, we're, I'm not saying we're not there, because we, we're, we're getting there, but I'm just encouraging and trying to challenge you spiritually, provoking you in a good way to, if you haven't jumped on board with morning prayer, pre-service prayer, do it. And when you do it, jump in all the way. I promise you, God will bless you. I promise you, God will bless you. This mic has been the biggest thorn in my flesh since we got this mic. 
God's good. Let's pray. God, we love you. We magnify your precious name. Thank you for your mercy and your grace, God. Thank you, God, for everything that you're going to do and everything that you've done. God, I pray that you would continue to move on our hearts, God. God, we, we dedicate ourselves to you right now, that you would give us a hunger for prayer, that you would give us a hunger for the things of God, for your spirit, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we love you and we worship you. Thank you, Jesus. We magnify your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, remember, push. Every day, push, push, push. Pray until something happens. We, we can do this together. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much. You're dismissed for 15 minutes.